Crusade with your host Mike Puskas from the Seven Cents, and I want to begin from the get go to apologize for not being available last week. I don't want to get into too much of the, the details, suffice to say that there was a lot that was bombarding my singularity as a human on the planet Earth dealing with all this new integration energy in an effort to get back to uh, a zero point, a neutral balance to be dealing with all of the heavy duty fallout taking place across the world. Music in my opinion has never become more important right now because it is an absolute go-to destination as far as an escape, as far as seeking sanctuary and to a greater degree, it's also the catalyst for inspiring the powerful, harder, more angsty kind of style and sound and vibration and frequency that I've chosen in the last seven to eight days to immerse myself in. Now sometimes, let's face it, things just don't go to plan we'd like it to be, we look at the world, we see it in a certain way and we start scratching our head and saying what's gone wrong here? Why doesn't the world look the way I want it to look? And ultimately is there a reason why I feel really detached and very much affected by my given environment, what can I do to placate the situation because I certainly can't turn it around at this point while everything is topsy-turvy, upside down and, you know, as I said, bombarding my singularity at a million miles an hour. But what I can do is I can kind of placate it, create a moment of pause, if you like, where I can focus on settling back into a balanced liberated outlook of my planar reality. Angsty music, the punk scene, classic, never mind the bollocks, the sex pistols, Sham 69, Generation X, Susie and the Banshees, early Q, 
Cure, The Buzzcocks, The Damned. Most of those are predominantly English groups, but there was also a great deal of American angst being released. And this is really what I would call pre-pop punk, which came in with the CBGBs and the Bowery Place, Arlene's Grocery, New York City, early 70s, television, Patti Smith, Blondie, and so on, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, and of course the Ramones. But what about today? What about the post-punk pop crossover albums of today? The ones that ultimately set the scene for what is known as the Millennials. Well, I thought while I've been waiting for some more inspiration to kind of get me going, motivate me to action, I do a Vinyl Crusade on the 20 best post-punk albums of 2020 so far. And that is January through June, coming to the end of June in four short days, when July comes along and we pretty much kickstart the second half of this rather madcap year. I'm not going to dwell greatly and I'm certainly not going to be playing a lot of the musical tracks from these particular records because it is after all 20 selections and or choices from probably what is pool of at least a thousand. So it's 20% of a larger thousand pool selection base. So in a year full of album release delays, and it feels a bit weird to share a best of list at a halfway point of a year like 2020. But it seems like most punk LPs, as opposed to the big pop rock or hip hop releases of the day, were largely unaffected. Whether it's the danceable rhythms, the razor-sharp social commentary, or mind-bending guitars, post-punk helped us process today's extremely tumultuous circumstances. And boy, are things way, way out of balance. You're either super hard left, almost hardcore intense, or you're super hard right, almost hardcore intense. There really is no neutral position that zero point of energy that we all desperately lack right now is what's creating the delusion and really muddying up the lens through which we're presenting ourselves, expressing ourselves in our planar reality. So whether we're talking about the new wave side of things, nation of language, choir boy, punk and jangle pop fusion and untendant and primo or even gothic gloom bambara mrm these records helped us all escape and return to our lives with a renewed vigor post punk has been kind to us in 2020 so we'd like to tip our hat to the highlights and in here we go what i consider to be the 20 favourite post-punk albums from 
this year so far listed in alphabetical order. Now there is in fact a link to a Spotify playlist which you can <laughs> check out on our Twitter page at magazine.today twitter.com magazine.today or go to magazine.today go to the TV hub and there we will post the entire list of the albums and we've also underlined what we consider to be worthy tracks that ultimately you should perhaps consider listening to checking out number one back eye pleasure vision let me spell that for everybody back eye b a double c h a e the new LP from DC Punk's Back Eye is an exhilarating listen with sharp riffs and a vast arsenal of sounds. One minute there's smoke coming out of their noses on the spring-loaded goth ripper Leave Town, then the next they're embracing cheerful twee pop in Hammer or bringing out fried synths from left field turns me. From the biting vocals of Older I Get to the jaunty, bewitching organs on Life Online, Bacchae out themselves as compelling punk shapeshifters. Check out Turns Me, Pleasure Vision. Number two, Bambara, Stray, Athens, Gar, Via, Brooklyn band Bambara employ fictional character-based storytelling in their lyrics and the humanity that each of us craves is just as prevalent in their non-autobiographical writing. Bambara arrived in 2013 with their WLP Dream Violence, a lo-fi smoke bomb of noise punk where frontman Reed Bate first wet his feet with this kind of songwriting. The songs were only loosely tied together, especially in comparison to their recent work, but dark descriptions like stained teeth on the floor and a man shaped just like a dog were already present. I mean, these are power anthems. These have such angst, such a an, an angry, aggressive, we're not going to take a twisted sister kind of outlook that it really helps to ground your energy when you're feeling so overridden by the ridiculous nature of the lockdown and the rigidity that we're all becoming very accustomed to now. By 2018, Shadow on Everything, Bambara were constructing post-punk songs like chapters of Gothic literature, each serving a wider concept. Their newest effort, Stray, sees them pushing even further with inspiration from Bates, Georgia upbringing and a stack of thrift store photographs the Bambara singer isolated himself for a month to write their new album while Shadow on Everything placed Bates in the story with events unfolding chronologically Stray is more ambitious with third person narratives and shuffled timelines snaking in and out of each other. Imagine the types of skeevy characters who congregate in late night alleys, hot freight trains, 
just for the rush and possess the hard-nosed stare of someone two decades their senior. These are the people who reside in the harsh small town south of Georgia where Stray was originally conceived and predominantly plays out. Check out Serafina. I think Serafina is a fantastic uh, colour dynamic tapestry of incredible sights and sounds that meld into a fusion of a almost like a kaleidoscope style vision for the band. Number three, Choir Boy, Gathering Swans. This was a surprising record in a lot of ways because these guys don't present themselves as sort of the typical stereotype of a punk and or post-punk persona. There's nothing bohemian about this group, but there's everything bohemian, left of centre, subterranean underground with this album, Gathering Swans. Gathering Swans is Choir Boy's sophomore album following 2016's Passive with Desire, where we were introduced to singer Adam Klopp's alarmingly sincere vocals, which are legitimately difficult to describe without the overused adage, voice of an angel. Klopp impressed on the debut, but on Gathering Swans, he is absolutely hypnotising. Tracks like Opener, It's Over, and the big single, Nights Like This, prove his worth as one of the best vocalists working today. His Gathering Swans is the buoyant, sparkling single, Complainer. Now, Complainer is really a great reflective representation of how, as I stated at the, the head of the show, the world just doesn't look the same way we remember it. We woke up one morning and we looked at the world and thought, yep, that's, that's, that's what it is, that's where I fit into it. It's all part of a, a larger co-creative space, I'm cool. Now I wake up, look out my window and the world is completely different. Fractured, fragmented, dissension and dissolution everywhere you look. So it's no wonder that a single like Complainer really reflects the, the temperature and the mood of the zeitgeist and does it with vigour and a real verve to it. Klopp sings, but it's not that bad. I never really had it worse. I'm just a damn complainer. A feeling many of us understand when we stop to realise we're actually doing just that. Relatable lyrics paired with bright synths and a post-punk bassline make this song joyous and even dance-worthy, bringing to mind other unexpected beacons of positivity. The Idols effect, if you will, the story goes that, while growing up in Ohio, Klopp was called Choir Boy as a dig for his rather effeminate looks and personality. And for what could be read in a way as an intense jealousy for his inimitable vocals, so whatever he kind of lacked in that masculine, experiential persona of his, he certainly made up for the more highly evocative and creative expression of his 
storyboards and personal experiences penned in his lyrics. But while doing that, he was also inadvertently and to a greater degree, probably quite consciously, poking fun at his religious upbringing. But Clock reclaimed the epithet, and rightfully so. If Gathering Swan shows us anything, it's that choir boy deserves praise and not mockery. Check out the Complainer official video on YouTube. It's an absolute perler. Number four, Deeper, Auto Pain. Look at the title. Isn't that, to a greater degree, what we're all going through? A, a kind of a sense of automatic pain delivery? Are we good at essentially using what it is that we become so affected by and so attached to as a way of pushing aside what really, really upsets or hurts us and by doing so, we're trapping the trauma, which can very easily manifest as mental illness laying dormant until now it's being drawn to the surface and very much expressed through the errors of the personality. This is a great way to get into understanding this particular album deeper by Autopain. Deeper know tragedy better than most. While recording their sophomore album Autopain, guitarist Mike Clawson left the band due to deteriorating relationships with the Chicago group's other three members. Later, after their record was finished and the post-punk act was touring in Europe, they received the news that Clawson had taken his own life. Throughout this catastrophic period, Deeper decided not to let Clawson's passing derail their tour and release schedule, instead using them as a way to pay tribute to his contributions to the band and speak out about mental health. As lead singer and guitarist Nick Gold mentioned in his interview with our own Lizzie Mano, Autopain was completed prior to Clawson's death, but the album's lyrics written as a stream of consciousness took on a completely different meaning. And it's hard to listen to them any other way. Some depict graphic images of self-harm and violence. Check out Forced to Set Yourself on Fire tonight and the You Shouldn't Count on the Sun, Just Run, or I Just Want You to Feel Sick All the Time, and Cause You're Better As You're Lying on the Bathroom Floor. I mean, these, these titles invoke such deep metaphorical imagery, and the meta-language that's very apparent in these post-punk albums which is why I enjoyed the opportunity to review them accordingly as a collective, is indicative of the mono-meta-myth that the millennial generation are really enjoying and disseminating in their busy, everyday lives. Autopain is an album built on hues of blacks and greys depicting a shadowy, sinister world. 
Clawson suicide turns those already gloomy colours into something even several shades darker. It's like the sense of loss that the band found themselves dealing with at the tail end of the completion of the record in preparation for the tour, there was a kind of a hollowness that became evident in the physical realm of the group's expansive state, yet they all felt incredibly introverted and drawn inwards because they didn't know how to ultimately express their sorrow and their grief. Auto Pain really reflects that and is definitely a worthy listen. Check out the single, This Heat. Number five, N Attendant, Anna, Juliet. This album is just a bunch of kids, right? Real classic bourgeoisie, middle-class kids in France, obviously. Uh, we're talking about the rather savoury and savvy Molly Rankin. It only takes a few seconds of their single in and out to realise that an attendant, Anna, have something special. Shred isn't a word you'd normally associate with jangle pop, but it can definitely be used to describe the chiming, pummeling riff that sprinkled throughout the Parisians band single. Marco Bouchardon's vocals evoke Stereo Lab's Letitia's Sadia and Alvave's Molly Rankin, as I spoke earlier. She was practically genetically engineered to sing perfect, hyper, melodic dream pop. It would be unfair to dub them a dream pop outfit because they tap into avant pop, post-punk and even college rock with similar ease. With their second album, Juliet, they subvert listeners' perception of them on nearly every track. From My Bruise to An Island is a Soothing Horn-Led Ambient Piece. Flesh or Blood is incisive post-punk at its best, and Words drops a warp synth interlude alongside Wailing Brass. They approach familiarly blissful indie pop with Do You Understand with as much care as they do and their more complex and off-kilter moments. In fact, I'd have to say in summing up, it's rare to find such thoughtfulness in a record so unbashedly tuneful and rather young, naive and underexposed. The In and Out official video is a great track, worthy of people's time and effort. You're on the Vinyl Crusade, and I think we'll take a break here. And as I said, rather than play excerpts, I can't really uh, satisfy the um, the covering of all of these, the finery of these records by playing these little snippets. So I'm just going to offset it by playing what I consider to still be classic post-punk and even punk pop at its best, which still holds up against even 
these new records some 30 and 40 years later. This is Susie and the Banshees and The Staircase Mystery.
Unknown girl from their Roulettes album of uh, 1999. You're on the Vinyl Crusade with your host Mike Puskas, and we're talking the top 20 post-punk albums of 2020 so far, and we're up to number six. FACS Facts and their album Void Moments. The new Facts album sounds like it warped in the sun, which is ironic because it's impossible to imagine listening to it outdoors in the daytime. Void Moments is just another entry in the recent wave of gothy post punk 
exhumations, but one that doesn't get tripped up on the past, perhaps because it's made by seasoned vets with clear goals and ambitions. You can tell they're familiar with Pill, Wire, Liars and all manner of other bands that take a dark, droning, dubby approach to rock-ishness. But don't try to be anything other than facts. This is plodding, sputtering, arrhythmic robot rock with both brains and a soul, and yes, that is all meant as a very genuine and authentic compliment. I really liked the track Teenage Hive Mind. This is very much again indicative of the way that the millennials are tapping into what it is that they perceive to be the landscape or layout of the new world and where their music and the stories of breaking down oppression, breaking down, you know, the the elimination of the isolation, the loneliness, the depression, the I'm not the proper fit in my peer group, the black mirror living vicariously on the smartphone and hanging on every emoji in the hope that it's a positive reflection on who they are. Fact's album pretty much sums up that. And I have to say, I've put it up there definitely in the top 10. Don't you just love what I'm about to say now? This is HMLTD, like HM Limited, and their album, West of Eden. And again, you look at these young girls and guys, and you think, where did they draw this sort of powerful invocation of seeing the world? in a completely different way to everybody else. You know, it's unusual for a band to fall from grace before they release their first album. Three or four years ago, HM Limited were hailed as London's next great band. In fact, they were far more subversive and innovative than most of the city's much-hyped groups. Their infamous headline shows featured dramatic glam costumes sets designed by the band and props like rubber chickens, mannequins and snakes. Whether you thought their experimental concoction of trap, synth, punk and electro pop was the greatest thing you've heard in ages or overblown nonsense, this wasn't a band you could ignore. Timing is crucial to a band's ascent to stardom and although HM Limited fell victim to the hourglass, their debut with West of Eden has finally arrived via indie label Lucky Number. As they experience their own fall from grace, according to the band no less, so has modern Western civilization, which serves as the backdrop of West of Eden. Karl Marx once posited that capitalism would sow the seeds of its own destruction and HM Limited apply this theory not just to late capitalism, but to masculinity as well, which cannot be divorced from imperialist hegemony, itself a patriarchal structure. 
their intelligent use of storytelling devices and century-spanning reference points prevent this from falling under the umbrella of typical political punk. Its musical thread might be occasionally mangled, tapping into synth punk, J-pop, Britpop, electro-pop and even psychobilly, but Henry Spolchowski's theatrical presence and the band's forward-thinking oddities are positively hypnotic. Check out Satan, Luella and I. I mean, it's a sexy video, but listen to the darker, esoteric, almost occult-style, cult lifestyle, enduring vibe that permeates throughout it. Next on the list, yep, another band of synonyms or pseudonyms or whatever names, MRM and their album, The Visionary. On The Visionary, Jack Milwaukee, aka MRM, makes dark synth pop and post-punk that's infinitely more interesting and luxuriant than his contemporaries. Even if his reference points are similar, between the lush, oddball glimmer of superstitions or the synthetic muffled vocals and melancholy sax on Survive, this is an album that thrives on textures, but not obvious ones. Some recall gorgeously decadent 80s sounds, but others sound weird enough to come from a PC music record. One particular moment of dense glory arrives when his unpredictable winding textures and heavily delayed vocals meet a heady swell of violin on crucifix and roses. If we're not met by similarly joyous sounds at the pearly gates when we reach our demise and shake off our mortal coil, then consider all highly disappointed. I thought Testament was a, a worthy single and a pretty kind of out there video, but definitely and certainly worth a look. Next on the list, Mush and 3D Routine. If you're not a fan of snotty, over-exaggerated vocals, this album probably won't be for you. But if that doesn't deter you, then keep reading. Mush excel at precise guitars, borderline loony vocals and lyrics about modern-day dystopia. Try keeping up with Dan Hinman's expressive enunciations and you might even giggle about your own similar gloom. They're pretty fucking blunt about their reference points. The nimble guitars on Coronation Chicken are straight out of television's playbook. Eat the Etiquette has Devo-level sass and much of the record has wiry uranium club zest. But we can never have too much fun, existential, can we? Or is existential kind of a thing of the past? Eat the Etiquette and Routine are definitely the highlights. You're on the Vinyl Crusade here on Magazine Radio. 
we're getting into the 20 top post-punk albums of 2020 in the first six months of release. And I feel at this point in time that we need to hearken back to olden days when punk and post-punk pop with that dark goth gloom was all the rage. And I couldn't think of a better track to reference that right now than Shake Dog Shake and The Cure. Hello. This is called Shake Dog Shake. Still we 
Still Alive and Shake Dog Shake, one of the classic tracks from The uh, from the Cure in the uh, early 70s, coming of 72. You're on Magazine Radio and The Vinyl Crusade with your host Mike Puskas, and we're talking the 20 best post-punk albums of 2020 to reflect the angst and the frustration of the zeitgeist. And at number nine, we arrive at Nation of Language and their album, <coughs> Introduction, Presence. Now, it's no secret that 1980s nostalgia has been prevalent in indie rock for years now. From Future Islands and Interpol to the 1975 and Tops, countless bands from the last two decades have found success filtering their music through distinctly 80s lenses. Still to this day, you can hardly swing a dead cat without hitting an indie band with one or more of these elements. Interstellar synths, bass-driven songs, rich production and melodramatic vocals. To join these ranks is both a blessing and a curse. On one hand, there's a huge demand for music that sounds like it came from the era of big hair and goth, but on the other hand, it's hard to stand out in such a saturated market, and even harder to make lasting, impactful songs that transcend its revivalist label. New York City band Nation of Language approached this weighty task with more grace and far better songwriting chops than the vast majority of try-hard bands who attempt retro pastiches or something close to them. For starters, and for enders, lead singer and songwriter Ian Devaney, formerly of Static Jacks, has a low-pitched, aching voice that just screams classic new wave. But more crucially, he has an ear for awe-inspiring melodies and synth lines that go above and beyond mere cinematic uplift. Nearly every one of his songs prompts a mental highlight reel of one's own life, but without the stylish candy-coated nostalgia that's fetishized, not even a word, fetishized nowadays, it's the profound kind that allows you to view yourself at your lowest and highest moments and see the beauty in having a finite amount of time to live and enjoy life. The Wall was a classic track with a lot of real presence in its angsty delivery and its rather colourful spectrum of sight and sound. Next on the list, No Age, Goons Be Gone. Time can get bent. Somehow No Age have been putting out records as long as Sonic Youth had when they released Washing Machine way back in 1995. The Young Guns are now elder statesmen and instead of trying to process that, I'll just listen to Goons Be Gone some more. No Age doesn't have much in common structurally or procedurally with Sonic Youth but they do have similar attitudes about how noise and songwriting can be mutually beneficial. 
and those notions are on beautiful display on No Age's fifth full-length LP. On Goons Be Gone you'll find the same punk energy No Age has always had, with pop hooks muscling their way through churning discord and whirling noise. I think it's really good. Check out Head Sport Full Face. <laughs> These bands are getting right into reflecting the masked nature of the way they see people in the world around them. Number 12, Pottery and Welcome to Bobby's Motel. You know, Pottery's debut EP, number one, made our mid-year best post-punk list last year thanks to its bluesy, funky take on post-punk. This coming Friday, June 26, the Montreal Five Piece are unleashing their first full-length follow-up and it's even more eccentric than we could ever have expected or hoped for. It's full of psych punk jams so surreal and danceable that falling down their wormhole and grooving to the beat are just not an option. Make sure you polish off your dancing shoes before diving into its off-the-wall percussion and rather snappy guitars. Their sky-high dance punk and witty psychedelia can hardly pack more tightly a coiled zip ready to explode all over you. Check out Hot Like Jungle. It's kind of... I think this band will either grow on you or you kind of hate them. It's almost, for me, it was like the Beastie Boys. When I first heard the Beastie Boys, well before any of their hits, because I was listening to Crass and Subhumans and Millions of Dead Cops, and I was in Aardvark's Afterbirth at the time, doing a little moonlighting in another indestructible dirty sound in AIDS and also living with uh, the insane guitarist uh, and Des, Des from um, uh, Permanent Damage. So in my punk days, certain bands came along that reflected the same ideology and the same kind of, you know, disdain that we had for society and society influence, but we didn't quite get it. And that's what happened with me and the Beastie Boys. And then when I got to see the Beastie Boys with the Dead Kennedys at the Seaview Ballroom all those years ago, it would have to have been, just it would have to have been about 19. 81? 82. Something like that anyway. Um, so you're going to find with pottery, it's the same sort of thing. They're either going to immediately impact you as somebody worthy of your attention or they may or may not grow on you or you'll just hate them from the outset. But this leads me to primitive teeth about the midway point of what I consider to be the top 20 post-punk post albums of 2020. Primitive Teeth and their album Primitive Teeth have been entrenched in the DIY punk scene for over two decades just by listening to their latest 
self-titled EP and their also 2019 self-titled EP. <laughs> Having played in projects like Violent End, Manipulation, Daylight Robbery and Split Feet, they've learned a lot and a rather thing or two about vigour, presence and perseverance. On auscultation, lead vocalist Christine Wolfe sings with majesty and conviction like she's leading a gothic army. You'll be simultaneously spooked and inspired to join the gang and on Bubble of Me you'll get the same sensation of being in the front row as a punk front person veteran intensely wails in your face and leaves you wanting. I was thinking a little bit about the way that the new women, the new female divine energy that's very much presented in the in the so-called expansive DIY landscape of the music scene today really do have their place to state and present their truth. And in that light, I would say that Christine from Primitive Teeth is a really, really good spearhead, similar to what Florence, God remember her surname, uh, from Florence and the Machine did all those years ago, which I still think overshadowed, you know, somewhat semi-established artists like Tori Amos, even Kate Bush, Paramore, Hayley from Paramore, and, uh, and Sarah Brightman and a number of others. These young women were spearheading a movement that it's okay to kind of let it all hang out and not even consider, let alone contemplate, what could be the potential fallout for the group's popularity as a result. Primo and their album Sogni. This is an Aussie quartet, Primo, and they do a lot with a little. On their second full-length album, Sogni, which they have left plenty of room for their frank vocals and no-nonsense guitars to stretch, as much as they embrace a bare-bones punk framework and unhurried pacing, they also bring a bright jangle-pop sensibility. Their layered verse vocals on Machine are fairly straightforward with the occasional voice deviating for some satisfying echo at the tail end of each line. But their refrain of Machine, Machine, Machine is one of the finest indie pop moments of the year so far. Elsewhere, Things To Do is a spooky, nonchalant recitation and Reverie sounds like a lost Stereo Lab number. I think Machine, which you can check out on YouTube, will probably put this band, Primo, very much into perspective. Public Practice and their album Gentle Rip. Public Practice is a Brooklyn-based quartet who blend elements of new wave punk, funk and 70s era New York disco 
in order to create uniquely pop, sensible and danceable tracks have the disadvantage of their reputations preceding them. Ever since the release of their 2018 EP, Distance is a Mirror, they've proven their penchant for clever songwriting, instrumental prowess, and especially among New York fans. A live show that entrances so successfully that it's almost physically impossible not to shake one's ass. Yet, on Gentle Grip, the band's debut full-length album, there's a sense that the formerly embedded scrappiness and punk edge were sacrificed for slicker, more stylish sounds. This isn't to say there aren't gripping moments for Sonic intensity on Gentle Grip that more than satisfy the more frenetic yearnings of Distance is a Mirror. Compromise was a particular track that I felt really embodied the whole LBGTQ thing, whatever you want to call it, you know, the lesbian, gay, you know, compromise, deeper connectivity, level playing field, frenetic yearning to be accepted, not to feel as if you need to demonstrate any form of compromise. And that's why I think Distance in, uh, is a Mirror <coughs> is an EP worth listening to if you want to get a little bit of a kind of an introduction to public practice before you experience and immerse yourself in that, the experiential value of gentle grip. RVG and their album Feral. Wow. I gotta tell you, this band has something like a purified fire to them. You know, Feral comes from the same literary pop tradition as the go-betweens and the bats. And for that matter, you might as well put my old band that I managed for I don't know how many years, the Moths from Sydney, into the same category. Two comparisons that I hate to make, but absolutely have to because of just how accurate they are. Yes, like those two bands, RVG is from Down Under. And just for clarity's sake, and to prevent kicking up any ancient rivalries, I got to point out that the Bats were from New Zealand, and unlike the other two I just mentioned. Their songs of intricate, chiming guitars that play off each other and do it well. Their rhythm is straightforward and sound like they're ripped straight from 80s college radio. More importantly, like these two bands, RVG songwriter Romy Vega writes songs that feel like well-observed short stories, brief, tender vignettes that capture the everyday joys and, more often, pains of life. Take the first song, Alexandra, and its lines about disapproving family members, the singer's almost nonchalant anticipation of a violent death ready to claim his ass in any moment 
and how others set fire to people like you just for looking them in the eye. It quickly sketches the risks assumed by the song's character, who, like Vega herself, is a trance, while showing how those risks need to be taken so they can live as who they are. Elsewhere, the aching love song Perfect Day is about shielding your loved one from the kind of minor everyday bad news that could ruin a damn good mood. From grey skies to really, really bad songs on the radio. The chipper music and Vega's upbeat delivery makes it sound like an uplifting pop song. And in a way, it is. There's not that much harm in trying to prevent others from learning about relatively inconsequential bad news. There's an undercurrent of darkness here, though. The singer is willing to elide the truth to keep their partner happy. And how far would they be willing to take that kind of deception? The perfect day, as she pens it, is the song built on dishonesty, which really isn't a good foundation for any relationship. Vega's songs are deceptively deep like that, they might sound like breezy pop songs, but there's a lot to chew on within. That's true of Feral as a whole and why it is, in my opinion, such a great record. Check out Perfect Day. And remember, this is a bunch of girls and a couple of dudes that are very, very much led with a more kind of a disassociated shoecase kind of vibe. We arrive at Shopping and their album All or Nothing. Post-punk trio Shopping have long been heralded as queer icons of the London DIY scene. But things change. For one, Shopping no longer consider London as their home base. Guitarist Rachel Aggs and drummer Andrew Milk have relocated to Glasgow, while bassist Billy Easter is currently living in LA. The trio is also shaking off their pared down sound, instead choosing to embrace the possibilities of synths, beats and a polished studio feel. The band is obviously still emblematic of queer artistic expression, but just maybe not in the way you were so sure that they were. On All or Nothing, Shopping's fourth album since their inception in 2012, they deliver some of their most articulate, exciting songs as a group, while also eschewing some of the formulaic components of their music that made them so interesting in the first place. They tease the electronic leaning sound of the album with singles initiative and For Your Pleasure, but while many bands lose their edge when they adopt a smoother, synthier aesthetic, shopping still remain punk in a restless and frenetic way, even when the guitars are put down and the feedback continues to ring out. Check out Initiative. I thought Initiative was a pretty worthy contender. 
You're on Magazine Radio and the Vinyl Crusade and we're counting down the top 20 post-punk albums of 2020 so far. And as I stated earlier, we won't be playing any of the tracks here from the uh, from the actual selection, the list, because it wouldn't really be fair to be offering snippets of some songs and not being able to cover everybody. So I'm I'm simply going back into my own love of punk and pulling out a few gems to kind of scatter the fairy dust of what the punk movement meant to me personally here on the Vinyl Crusade. So this is Don't Say Fuck by Electric Eel Shock from Osaka in Japan. And there is a comical, almost irreverent feel in the way this track is presented and delivered as a big, fat fuck you to the world that's continued to get madder and madder and off its chop more and more each day. Don't say fuck and electric eel shock.
Electric Eel Shock and Don't Say Fuck. You're on the Vinyl Crusade with your host Mike Puskas from The Seven Cents and we're talking the top 20 post-punk albums of 2020. And this is the last tier before we get down to what I consider to be the most worthy contender, keeping in mind we're only six months into the mad year at this point in time. Spectres and their album Nostalgia. If you dig the sensitive, longing qualities of classic post-punk, Spectres are right up your alley. This Vancouver five-piece has been putting out albums since 2010, three of which were reissued last year. And their latest album, Nostalgia, is another touching, towering release. You'll find skittering goth pop like Fate, melodic Smiths-esque Bloom, pictures from occupied Europe, forceful punk and cold wave, insurgents and everything in between. Moments like the vocal melodies of Dreams or the call sung in a soaring baritone will open the floodgates of those 80s bands you haven't cried to in a while. I think when Possessed Prey, it's a geopolitical piss take on the way that the establishment and the institutions that we were so subservient to and rather beholden in our conditioned way of thinking just seem to be falling away more and more each day. A worthy listen, but a little bit convoluted. Stuck and their album Change is Bad. The debut album from Chicago outfit Stuck offers off-centre, post-punk, with tinges of noise rock and psych to keep you on your toes. When the serrated guitars and unusual vocal melodies unfold on Ceiling, the opening track on Change is Bad, you'll come to find this isn't some random bargain bin post-punk group. Tempo shift, scratchy guitar passages come out of nowhere and their lyrics of abstract imagery and radical social commentary would fly over the heads of your average group. Paranoia becomes too much to bear on invisible wall. The curtain is drawn on late stage capitalism which they listen to like a death cult on Plank 2. And conformity is explored via existential dread on Dimed. I would say that Change is Bad is a, a fair effort for a group that are striving for originality. And when I say that, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that everything's been done to death and machine-made, quantized, machine-made music is indicative of the lack of imagination that a lot of these groups have. Most millennial post-punk bands 
are in one way or another indebted to each other because they're stealing, copying, plagiarizing without having the balls to actually admit that they're doing it. So there's a kind of a an invisible handshake that says it's okay as long as you end up making it cool. I have a real struggle with that because this whole... What did Lester Bang say in, in Almost Famous, the director's cut, uh, the Cameron Crowe film about the small faces when he was a burgeoning and budding rock journalist at um, the, uh, I suppose you'd call it the um, uh, Rolling Stone magazine, the early fledgling days of Rolling Stone itself. I think at the end of the day, um, we've kind of learned more than most that life is what, it, what you make it. And yet, there's this kind of, well, if we can't find ways to be truly original, then maybe what we can do is become a little bit of a, a borrower of different styles, sounds, and lifestyles for that matter. We end up here on the Vinyl Crusade on number 20 and Wunderbar and their album Either Light. Boston indie rockers are four albums deep, but Either Light marks the first time they've worked with a producer. And not just any producer, they brought on Patrick Hyland, who produced the last three Mitski albums, all modern indie classics. And the result is their best album to date. Wunderbar are still largely an indie band, but Either Light sees them embrace their new wave and post-punk leanings more than ever before. It's a groovy, heartfelt record with danceable rhythms and theatrical vocal performances. And it blends modern indie pop influences with all your favorite new wave staple bands. Petty Crime is just one microcosm of their irresistible, vivacious charm. Caroline, I think we might be cursed. We've been rolling around this town in a hearse. Brandon Hagen sings before diving into a playful, bubbly chorus that permeates the rather delicate structures of the tracks on this album. Burned Off would probably be the bigger highlight, if you like. I think I'm going to say that out of everything that has been presented here, for me, it's going to be a toss-up between HM Limited and West of Eden, right? And probably the Aussie band, which would be the... RVG and their perfect day. There's just something about the looseness of RVG that I kind of really, really like, you know. And I particularly, as I said earlier, when I looked at the quotes surrounding the different kind of reviews of the songs from other sources, particularly overseas sources, is that they're kind of presenting these really heartfelt, aching love songs 
which kind of present your intention to shield your loved one from the kind of minor infraction that a third party's interaction and dissonance causes. I think what I've really kind of garnered through delving deeply into the different albums in this top 20 countdown is to understand that the millennials, the younger 20-somethings that are making up the musical protagonists of these stories are certainly finding their feet quickly. And although they don't necessarily come from a great deal of experience, and a lot of them really, I couldn't say, have uh, a, a decent sense of understanding what wisdom is and where it fits into the general framework of their lives, a lot of them are proving that by taking a little bit from each of the different fragmented aspects of culture are finding a way to get their truth through their vocals, twisted melodies, melodramatic guitar riffs and all of that stuff ultimately to a point where it becomes really believable. And becoming really believable in this day and age, which is a smokescreen, a huge fagazi, a rather deceptive bubble in more ways than one, we arrive at a particular point to say, wow, you guys are putting your best feet forward. You're better representing the genre of what is considered post-punk, grunge, synth pop and or goth with a rather decent and loyal understanding of what the ilk and or the timbre of the, of, the, of the vibration is really all about. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this particular excerpt, insight, perhaps a delving into the darker minds of the post-punk era. And I think that I'm going to leave everyone tonight with what I consider to be an, an absolute classic. And of course, it comes from, you know, English punkster, popsters, killing joke, who 10, 12, 14 years of consistent album releases and growing in stature, growing in maturity, and certainly disseminating their wisdom that I can hear very much inherent in a lot of the bands that we featured today on the Vinyl Crusade. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget that as soon as we basically broadcast the show over the course of Friday and the weekend, it appears on Spotify almost immediately. So just remember, search Spotify, the Vinyl Crusade, you'll find all of our shows. To everybody that tuned in to the Alice Cooper Billion Dollar Babies album review, I appreciate it. I got a lot of really lovely comments from people saying, I love learning about the deeper vision that's very, very much tuned in and intended and associated with 
the writing, recording, producing, releasing, and eventually touring of these fine albums that define generations and that set very, very much uh, a standard, a benchmark for being able to rise above our misfortunes, rise above our misgivings, and to become the very best version of ourselves that we can be. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate, I love you all. I respect that we're all in a a pretty difficult limbo holding pattern, but I do assure you, keep true to your music, listen to the greats, they will inspire you. You will find as Lady Lady represented as what was her name again? Penny. Penny and Almost Famous said that if you ever get lonely, you can go to the record store and just visit your friends. Sending you all my best. Hoping you guys all have an amazing weekend. Appreciate you all. Thank you so much. Much love. And I'll catch you guys next week. Love like blood. Killing joke.
We leave behind our everyday concerns, the world of Kronos. We set aside our watches and turn off our phones. We don't count this time as ordinary, measured by the ticking of the clock. It's time for the Vinyl Crusade with your host, Mike Puskas, the man, the, the man, with the man. man. Thank you very much. Joyful possibility becomes reality.